they talked about it, how that's like one of their favorite moments is just this guy who's <laughs> just like, oh my God, these people are going crazy. That's and, incredible. And, and had no idea that he was like in a A24 Adam Sandler movie. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Hey there, I'm Jordan. And I'm Nick. We're just two regular guys who love talking about film. And now we'd like to talk to you. We decided to break down our discussions into three parts. Because everyone loves a gimmick. We discuss our expectations for a film before we watch it. That's take one. We give our immediate thoughts following the film. That's take two. And finally, we research the film at length to prepare for an informed and in-depth discussion. And that's take three. So if you love film even half as much as we do, join in on the conversation. This is Take Three, a movie podcast. Take one. I legitimately saw on my run today, I saw a ferret on a leash. Somebody was walking their ferret? Somebody was walking their ferret. That's adorable. It was glorious. It was one of the best things I've ever seen. I see a lot of really strange stuff at the park that I go to. And I feel like every day it's something new. And today it was a ferret on a leash and it just made my day. It was great. That really is special. Good. I'm glad. I'm jealous too. That That's really cool. <laughs> the most interesting thing that happened to me today was that my niece missed the bus home from school. <laughs> so my cousin's like calling me panicking. Like, is there any way you can go pick her up from school? And I'm like, yeah, of course. Aww. So I go there and I'm like, pulling on all these doors and they're all locked and stuff. And I'm like, all right, I don't know how to get her. I don't know where to go. I'm, you know, they they said they put me on a list. I finally found her. (laughs) That was it. And then it rained. So I didn't get to go outside and do anything. Is that what, oh, so you didn't go outside when it was raining? It was actually pretty today when I went and got her. Nice. Well, I was going to mention, and this isn't normal. I don't know if you did something special, but I'm seeing on your camera that your hair is wet. So I assume you just got out of the shower or something. Uh, yes, I was taking a shower because I wanted to be nice and squeaky clean for you. I feel like, and this is not an insult, but I, I genuinely don't think I've seen your hair like this before. It's like laying in a certain way that the only thing you're missing are frosted tips and you could be in Backstreet Boys or Sync. Like, do you see how it's like, it's kind of like stringy? And Oh my God. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. <laughs> That's not an insult. I promise it's not an insult. Well, it's not an insult, but it it doesn't make me feel great. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I mean, you're not like, it's what? It's like, it's 1045. You're not going out in public. So I can imagine you didn't really need to like style it or anything. I've just never seen it lay like this after it's wet. I think it's cool. Oh, I'm glad. I would be a great uh, sixth member of either of those groups. Yes. I think so. Sixth? Huh? Do they both have five? Yeah. I'm a bad 90s kid. Yeah, you suck at that kind of stuff. <laughs> That's pitiful. But you grew up with brothers, and I grew up with the sister and girl cousins. and Oh. So it was all, like, about, you know, all the boy bands. and So were we, though. Like, I grew up with brothers who thought that, like, it was the coolest thing to, to like, be into Backstreet Boys and shit. Like, that. I don't think that was exclusively a girl's thing. Like, Gay. You... <laughs> I'm just uh, kidding. I don't know. What's the, is it, was it Smart House? The movie where they they had a full on choreographed dance scene in their house, and it was the boys. It wasn't it wasn't the girls. It was yeah. What group was that? I feel, was it Backstreet Boys? No, it was like My Town or something or O Town or I don't remember this song. 
I don't Would know. Would you do Smart House for this podcast? Uh, never. I <laughs> was just, my sister was talking about like frantically panicking for my niece's first birthday, which is this past weekend. Jamie turned one. The one who missed the yeah. bus. And uh, She's a genius. She she sent me a some sort of GIF or something. She was like frantically cleaning. And so I sent her a clip of that movie where they they're panicking because they threw a party and their dad's about to come home and Pat just tells them to throw all the shit on the floor and the smoothie gets sucked into the carpet yeah yes one milkshake okay completely I remember being like that is the coolest thing ever we need that like that's the coolest like that's possible (laughs) but like that's not some magic or something but um (laughs) I, like when I send that to her, I watched that clip for the first time in like probably 20 years <laughs> and it was magical. Yeah. I was like, oh, I kind of want to watch that movie again. And you wouldn't do it for the podcast. Not even for I a quick mean, take. If we could. We could do a decom quick take. Yeah. No, honestly, though, if we were going to do a decom, you know which one I would want to do. Oh, I don't know. Halloween Town. Oh, mm, I feel like that one is already so like elite that i don't even classify it as a decom like like i want to do like the the b c d level cheesy one phantom of the megaplex yeah or like or like um 13th year or luck of the irish like those were those are the the cheesy but like motocross ones yeah yeah mom's got a date with a vampire yes yes oh my god yes we're completely we've gone off topic completely i don't (laughs) Okay, did we did we skip over anything that we were talking about already before we jump ahead into the topic of today's video? I don't think so. <laughs> the topic of today's podcast. I like we've done three weeks of Buffy, so I feel like it's been a while since we're like we're back to form now, right? Like, no, this is, our... this is gonna this is gonna be released after War of the Worlds too. This is like way in the future. Oh shit. We're coming to you from June, guys. Like this is being recorded in <laughs> June. The world may have ended by now. Who the <laughs> hell knows? So here's what we're doing today. We haven't had a guest for like a full episode in a bit. <laughs> Actually, all season. I mean, Kimmy was on for like a month, but we're talking about like full movie episodes. It, we haven't we haven't had a guest come on and actually talk about a film in a long time. <laughs> so we are inviting Austin onto the podcast. So first off, if you guys listened to the Rocket Man quick take we did almost a year ago now. It's over a year ago now when you're listening to this. Eons ago. We talked about a movie uh, called Who's With Me and uh, Austin made it. It's really good and I really enjoyed it. It feels like it's been forever and I want to rewatch it, but um cuz it really has been a year and we've been talking about having him on the podcast for literally a year. <laughs> First off, okay, so he like reached out and was like, "Hey, can you like check my movie out and if you're interested and want to maybe talk about it in some regard on your podcast, that would be awesome." And I'm like, "Of course." And I really enjoyed the movie. It's very like experimental and fun and he did it during the pandemic and it's just like you see what he could do with a huge budget. Like you can tell that this guy has some flair and I really like that. Plus over the past year, he's actually become a really good friend of mine. We just kept messaging each other. 
He also is into filmmaking. He's like working in the film industry, travels all over, like working on different projects and stuff. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm in New York for this week. And oh, yeah, I'm in, I don't know, Missouri or I'm just naming random states. But he like travels all over the place. But thankfully, I caught him when he was in California where he lives. And so we can finally have him on the podcast. And I said, "Okay, look, look, give us a couple of movies to pick from. I don't remember the other options he gave. Immediately when I saw Good Time, I'm like, oh, yeah, Good Time is made by the people that did Uncut Gems. Uncut Uncut Gems. um, So it's a done deal. I want to do Good Time. I gotta say, I have never heard of this movie. This is, I think, the first time in the podcast where I have not seen a trailer. I have not seen a poster. You saying that about the the people who made Uncut Gems. The Safety Brothers. Yeah, is the first I'm hearing of that. So I'm completely blind here. And I was going to ask you if you could just give me, like, the lead actor or actors and, like, that's it. And I'll just predict, like, have you seen it? Or have you, you said you have not seen it? No, I've never seen it either. But I do know the person who's in it, like the star of the movie. Do you know the premise at least? No. <laughs> okay. No, it, it's just completely based 100% off of, I loved Uncut Gems. Nice. Nice. I thought it was magnificent. I was going to play a game for me to like, just predict what it's about. But if you don't know what it's about, then you can't confirm or deny. So. Well, you can predict. I don't, I won't know either. Oh, I, uh... it looks like it's about like drugs in some regard, like maybe drugs, but, um, do you want me to tell you who's in it? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, Robert Pattinson. Oh, Batman. we, okay. So I'm, I'm remembering now I watched uncut gems with you yes. when you saw it for the first time. And I think we looked at a trailer of this. It's like, it's coming back to me now. We both watched the trailer for this together. And we still don't know what it's about. <laughs> I mean, it was a long time ago, but like, we were like, yeah, that looks awesome. We really want, yes, I'm on board with this. I'm, I'm now I'm excited. Not that I wasn't excited before. Well, it's too late now, bitch. You're, you're on the podcast. We're doing the take <laughs> one. I don't really care if you're on board. I love surprises. So I was like ready for a surprise. But now that I know what I'm getting into, I'm like even more excited. I'm, I can't wait. I can't wait. Yeah. And I can't wait to talk about his movie too. Like I'm very excited uh, to finally meet you, Austin. And um, this is going to be cool. Not only like, am I really excited to see this movie, but this is the first time either of us are meeting Austin in person. Like I've texted this man again, probably for like a year, <laughs> but never, I've never seen him on in real life <laughs> or, you know, on camera <laughs> or anything like that. So it's going to be interesting to, uh, meet him i hope he has like a really funny voice what if he has like a really high-pitched like squeaky voice and we have to act like everything's cool <laughs> that would be really awkward or what if he's just like a total dick i mean like he didn't seem like a dick for like the year i was gonna say i but what if he's just like a total dick in person <laughs> i feel like i was gonna say i feel like a bad co-host because i feel like i've not really introduced myself much to austin but I was going to say, if, if he is a dick, then I'm blaming you because you had a full year to scope this guy out. So, yeah, no, he seems he seems cool. Um, <laughs> no, I, I trust you. I trust you. I like the work. He showed me some projects that he's worked on. I like That's his so taste cool. in movies, although he likes some. Well, maybe we can talk about him when he comes on, but he likes some some shit that I'm a little bit like, oh, maybe that's like he. <sighs> There's this movie called like Crimes of the Future or something like that. Crime. Oh, by uh, by. Don't tell me. Don't say it. What's um um by the Fly guy? Yeah, 
Oh, I want to see it so bad. It um, looks horrific. Cronenberg, yeah. Cronenberg, yes. Oh, I want to see I it really, so bad. I really don't want to see it. <laughs> and he told me that he went and saw it, and he was the only person in the theater. Really? It's <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, I would be. I don't know. Like the movie, the trailer grossed me out. I couldn't handle it. But he just he loves that kind of stuff, I guess. So well, he's yeah. in good company. I'm very I want to see that really bad. Cool guy, cool taste in movies. Very excited about this film. And yeah, I mean, it gives me an excuse to talk about Robert Pattinson. So yeah, I mean, let's get moving. Again, if this Austin guy sucks, sorry. <laughs> it was an accident. Day <laughs> two. Oh my gosh, we have Austin here. So, okay, yeah, I guess introduce yourself, Austin. Say, <laughs> hey, Austin. Hey, everybody. My name is Austin, and uh, thank you guys for having me. We are very happy to have you. I'm sorry it's taken so long. And thank you for picking such a fucking awesome movie. Yo, this movie was incredible. I, uh, I'm relieved you guys liked it. I watched it again this morning for like... As I told you, Nick, probably like the 25th time or something. And the whole time I was like, oh, man, this is like even darker than I remember. I hope they're not. I hope they don't like completely hate this. <laughs> so I'm relieved that you guys uh, at least enjoyed it. In take one, neither of us really knew anything about it. But Nick had told me that it was from the same people who did Uncut Gems. So that kind of gave me like a uh, a vibe, I guess, uh, of of what to expect uh, but I was not expecting to love it as much as I did. And I think I, I like it a lot more than Uncut Gems, if I'm being honest. Excellent. Yeah, I got to say, I really love both. I'm a big Softy Brothers uh, fanboy in general, but I consider a good time to definitely be their, their best movie so far. Nice. What else have they done? So they've actually done a surprising amount of features, at least six. Wait, it might be more. Wow. Yeah, the first movie I saw of theirs was the movie Before Good Time. And it was so raw and like kind of uh, cheap looking, not in a bad way, but just, you know. Yeah, and yeah. I, I, it just, I was like, oh, this is a debut movie, like definitely. And didn't even check up on who directed or anything because it just felt like such a first movie until I yeah. saw that they already had like four or five movies. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, they are surprisingly... Uh, veterans, but they kind of just got popular with these last two. So gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. It makes sense because these movies are kick ass. Yeah, I think the screenplay is just insane in that there's little details that would amount to almost nothing in other movies, but for some reason they snowball here and it's like little funny things like the phone has to be attached to the wall charger so it works and like little things like that and just every little detail comes back around in, you know, either the next scene or a few scenes later. There's just not a wasted second. Like it's so insanely constructed, but it doesn't really feel overly written or anything. It feels very improv and kind of free-flowing, but you realize just how insanely well written it is after you you know you watch it a few times and just pick up on every little detail that they add in there it's very intricate absolutely that's one of the things that i wrote down in my notes when after i watched the movie was they're masters at dialogue or at least making it seem like it's not a film at least 
I love that even in Uncut Gems, it's it, it it really does feel like it's improv. It doesn't feel like a script. Like there are stutters and there are ums. People in it talking and it, over each other and yeah, yeah. It adds so much depth to it and it makes it feel so like relatable. Even though, and I wrote this in my Goodreads review that like I don't, I can't imagine myself ever meeting anyone like these characters in my <laughs> lifetime. But I felt like with them the whole time, just because it felt so natural. And he, they're brilliant at doing that. Like it, it, was, it was seamless in in both movies. I think. Yeah. I know we're here to talk about uh, good time, but I'm not. I can't help but bring up uncut gems just because they're both so good. As immediately as as soon as the music started in this movie, I immediately related it to uncut gems. And I don't want to say that they are like identical movies, but the Safdie brothers, I realize, are directors that you could make a bingo card for where it's like, all right, let's see like what kind of patterns we can find in all of these movies. Cause you know, this movie started going and I was like, man, I could spot this a mile away as a, as a Safety brothers movie, just from having watched uncut gems. And it was brilliant. I just, I thought it was incredible. I thought it was so great and so fun and like tragic. Like you, you, they, they find a way to make you fall in love with really terrible, terrible people. <laughs> Like unforgivable, terrible criminals. <laughs> that was, that was one thing I wanted to ask both of you guys. Just first impression on the movie is what you th- actually thought of Connie. I guess as a person and as a character, I loved him. I thought, I mean, like, yeah, he is a criminal and he does bad things, but honestly, like in the grand scheme of things, that really didn't bother me. Like what I what I gravitated towards was how he was so devoted to making sure that his brother was okay and um, how crafty he was. It almost gave me like, like Heisenberg vibes, not in the sense that he's like some sort of mastermind, but that I just remember in, uh, in breaking bad, there would be whole stretches where you didn't think that Walter White had any idea what, what he was doing or, or had any sort of control over the situation. And then he'd be able to, like figure out some way to get out like the medical transport to get his brother out of the that was genius i was like whoa that was uh, that made me so happy and then when it wasn't his brother that just absolutely i I was floored that was so crazy (laughs) that was like one of the many twists that i did not see coming and that i really appreciated like those were the things that hooked me so so like tightly to this movie it was so fun but not only connie i will say that this movie i think really proves the whole saying that there's no small parts jennifer jason lee and um barkat abdi he was the the guy from captain phillips um they have relatively smaller roles and they're so memorable and they're so good i I think maybe because i actually i like both of these actors as well I don't know. I was just very invested in both of them, even though they were not in the movie nearly as much as Nick or Connie. There were certain things that he did throughout the film that were excusable and others that really kind of weren't. But I think what drew me to him was his sort of desperation to make sure that his brother was okay. It was sort of like the the small good in this terrible monster that was really the only relatable part that you could hold on to, you know, for obvious reasons, I did not like him, but I do think that Robert Pattinson did a fantastic job playing him. Like I think as a character, he's a, he's a really interesting case, but uh, yeah, I can't, I can't say that I loved him. I, you know, I, I just, 
I can't. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think you would typically say this about Robert Pattinson, just like of the movies I've seen him in. But for some reason in this movie, I just get this vibe that he's just so likable and it has something to do with Robert Pattinson versus just the character. Like he's bringing something extremely likable to the role. Whereas in most of the other things that I've seen him as, I enjoy him, but it's not because like, oh, there's Robert Pattinson. Like I could give two fucks, but maybe it's like, this is the first thing I've seen since he's Batman and I'm obsessed with that. So now I'm just like on a Robert Pattinson high. I don't know, but he really was a, this was a special standout performance. This is my favorite thing that he has done. I think I love Batman more, but as far as like his performance goes, I think this is my favorite thing he's done. Right behind um, Twilight New Moon. <laughs> How do you feel, Austin? I really love Connie. I mean, he's a terrible person. I, I think the worst thing he does is, you know, make out with a 16-year-old girl. Oh, so, yeah. So that I, so it's hard to say I really enjoy <laughs> him after he does something like that. But at the same time, it's just he's so wily and there's almost like, the coyote and the roadrunner vibe to him. And he, he's just like so cunning. And, uh, and yeah, I find his, I mean, is his brother better in this facility that he ended up in? Probably. But I can definitely sympathize with the feeling of wanting to keep your family member out of a place like that. Um, and really all of these terrible things he's doing are in service of that. So it gives him kind of a, bit more likable edge than your usual just kind of dirtbag criminal character guy but uh yeah at the same time i mean what there's a guy that's like drugged out of his head on who knows how much acid like might be permanently like brain damaged one person's dead my favorite (laughs) character my girl crystal is in jail probably Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so he leaves a uh trail of destruction in his wake but despite all of that for some reason i really do like him uh, both as a character and a person for some reason <laughs> i mean i i think that's the safety's responsibility i think they they just did a fantastic job of making him relatable and i think what's interesting is that we're still kind of rooting for him even when I don't want to say it's all for nothing, but like he still gets caught in the end. Like it's, he he doesn't really get away with any of it. So yeah, I don't know. I think that's interesting. Three gay men uh, apologizing for the attractive (laughs) white criminal. (laughs) (laughs) I totally agree though. I totally agree with y'all sentiments. You're right though. As far as the 16 year old thing, I immediately was like, how old is Robert Pattinson supposed to be? Cause I know how old he really is. Like how old is he supposed to be in this movie? It's like something might be off here. And then there's like, I don't know. Do you like, is the first thing they do kind of like blackface? I don't know. I guess so. But I, mean, I understand it's like a mask, but I'm sure that there are people that would see that as blackface. Like, yeah. Cause you have a black mask on. I mean, I think one of the, interesting things about the movie is and i still don't know if it's all a coincidence or if it's trying to say something but its relationship to race and particularly the african-american characters like almost all of them get really bad endings because of these like stupid dumb white guys and (laughs) 
I'm not sure yeah. if that's intentional or if it's just, you know, they casted the movie and just, you know, all the best actors happen to be, you know, black or what have you, or if they're trying to say something with that or. Anything. I could see like, that being intentional. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it really doesn't go well for a single black character in the whole, not that anything really goes well for anyone, but things go particularly bad for them. I yeah. feel yeah, it's a cautionary tale. Don't get mixed up with white people. <laughs> yeah. Definitely do not. Uh, I don't know how to bring this up, but it's definitely something that I would imagine each of you had at least thought about at one time or another. What is it? Benny Safdie, the guy that plays Nick. He's not like that in real life. It's been brought up a lot, like um, like Tom Hanks and Forrest Gump or... Uh, what's eating Gilbert Grape with Leo? Okay, I feel so weird posing this question because I know that neither of you are going to feel equipped to answer it. But like, where's the line? <laughs> Silence. <laughs> I will say, so it was on my mind. And I, I like throughout watching this movie, there were several times when I was like, oh, I'm not sure that uh, that this would fly with, you know, a lot of. Uh, maybe current political correctness. Uh, there were a couple of slurs that were in there. Um, and I think back to like Sia trying to do that one movie where things just did not work out. And I also think about movies like, uh, what was it? Um, was it Peanut Butter Falcon with uh, oh, yeah, Shia with LaBeouf? Shia LaBeouf, yeah. Where like movies like that are possible. Like it, it is possible to cast, you know, the right people for the right roles like, thank you for bringing it up. I don't think it should be ignored. Yeah, I mean, I'll say the first time I saw this movie, I had seen their previous movie, but I really didn't know anything about the Safdie brothers beyond that was their name. Um, so I didn't know that was Benny Safdie at all. I actually kind of assumed it was somebody who had the same disability as in the movie, just because... There was so much street casting in the movie where they, you know, they like to cast a lot of real people and stuff. So the first time I saw it, I didn't actually think of it, you know, at all. And then in retrospect, of course, would they have recasted today? Possibly. And, you know, I definitely understand uh, the argument of doing that. Um, so... Yeah, well, I'll say, uh, you know, if it was if I was in their shoes, I probably would have casted someone else. But at the same time, I do think like the performance is really, really good. Um, yeah, he did. A, he did a fantastic job. Yeah, I don't find it like an offensive portrayal at all. Like if you're going to cast somebody, you know, without that disability, I thought it was a really sympathetic, you know, portrayal of it. But I totally understand if, you know, that would turn some people off. Yeah. Uh, I feel like we probably should have started with this, but Austin, do you want to like introduce <laughs> yourself and maybe talk about, you know, what you do and maybe some of the projects that you've worked on? I feel like, you know, this episode's about you. Let's, let's talk about sure. you. Um, well, I know you guys at all because I contacted you on Instagram with a movie that I made, uh, a year ago and then, We've just kept in contact. So I'm here in L.A. I'm a freelance uh, film person, um, mostly gaffing and assistant camera work. Every once in a while, I uh, go and make my own thing. And so I'm uh, 
on the fringes of the film industry and uh, am a huge Softy Brother fan, basically. Nice. We talked about your taste in movies. There are so many movies that I feel like you could write dissertations on that like I've never even heard of. And I think the one that particularly came up was the one you went and saw by yourself the other day, which is the Cronenberg one. Oh, yeah. He told me about this. Yeah. How was it? Crimes of the Future. The exact kind of weird movie that I think most people would hate, but I like weirdly fell in love with it because it just feels like it was like made by an alien. Like it was just just, like so inhuman and like stilted at points, but uh, it was kind of like hypnotic. So I want to see this so bad. Was this so I know there's two Cronenbergs, right? Are they brothers or are they father and son? There's um, he has a son who's made two movies, I think. So is this the son or is this, this is, the this, fly director? This is the fly. Nice. This is the dad. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. I can't wait to see it. I want to see it so bad. And didn't he make a movie called Crimes of the Future before? Yeah, I didn't realize that until like a couple of days before I saw this movie because somebody was screening the first one and I almost went to it. I thought I was going to the new one. So uh. I <laughs> accidentally, but yeah, I think he made like, I don't know if it's a student movie or if it was just like his first super, super low budget thing that was called Crimes of the Future. And from what I hear, this is like, there's some coincidental things, but it's kind of just its own separate. Cool. Thing. Cool. 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 Yeah, in terms of my taste in movies, my mom kind of warped me really early on to like really dark, strange movies. Like she was probably showing me like David Lynch movies at like age seven or eight or so. So, yeah, my taste has kind of uh, drifted definitely to the strange and dark. That's a beautiful thing. But I can definitely enjoy a big popcorn movie now and then. Like, I just love Top Gun 2. That was fantastic. <laughs> that sounded very straight of you. Yeah. <laughs> like, so butch. Yeah, Jeez. so every once in a while, there's a movie like that that I'll total, totally love. But usually it's, like, really dark and depressing, and, like, ten people have heard of it. Any particulars that you want to shout out? I'm always, always trying to add things to my watch list. Like, can you think of, like, any early memory movies that, that have shaped your childhood in your life. It was like 1999 when I was started watching all of these kind of strange things. So let's see, let's see. like Wild at Heart was probably the first David Lynch movie I saw. Which I probably should not have seen that young at all, but uh, <laughs> definitely left an impression. Um, and this is more recent, but I always just try to tell people about it because nobody knows about it. There's a movie from like 2014 called Buzzard. And it's literally just like these five guys in Grand Rapids who just like make these zero dollar movies. And uh, they're all fantastic. But Buzzard in particular is so entertaining and so good. And uh, it's just so, so small that no one's ever heard of it. But it's very critically acclaimed and like everyone who sees it really loves it. But like it's just been seen by nobody. So that's my go to recommendation for people. Nice. Well, I will add both of those to my list. Yeah. (laughs) So talk about like some of the places that you've been, because I know like you are constantly like shooting across the country and. Yeah. uh, Well, recently, like. Most recently, I was just in Minnesota, um, 
and Phoenix before that, New York. Um, and I'm from the Bay Area originally, so I was there recently as well. And then hopefully some international travel is starting to pick up again. So I booked, I'm going out of country at least twice next year for work, which is awesome. That is really um, cool. Yeah, Are you allowed to I, say where? Yeah, I, I'm going to Germany and Barcelona for probably about two weeks each. But I might awesome. try to like stay an extra week in Barcelona and like backpack or something. One cool thing about freelance is like every job is completely random and sometimes you get to go like really cool places. Like obviously the last two years there hasn't been you know, much travel, um, travel jobs. But, uh, you know, right before the pandemic, I was getting to go around the world for free. So uh, fingers crossed that starts happening more and more again because it's super fun. (laughs) I bet. That is really awesome. Very, very cool, man. Now, okay, so we've talked about all these other people's projects that you're working on. Let's talk about who's with me. I know it's a year old now, <laughs> but uh, I still want to talk about it because people should still watch it. So I I watched it a while ago and then rewatched it today just so that um, it's fresh. And I there were so many things I wanted to bring up, but I realized that like, oh my god, it's all spoilers. So like, are we <laughs> I, cool to talk about it? Or? I mean, I I've already given into the policy of spoil away. If people nice. don't want to hear it, they can. <laughs> Fast forward. That's okay. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm totally fine. Give away absolutely everything. You don't want to be spoiled. Just click the the link wherever there's links because there will be a link to the movie and watch it. It's 72 minutes long, right? Yes. Yeah. Definitely didn't want to uh, test people's patience. So cut it to the bone. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Who's With Me is a movie I made in 2019. It's about a person stuck in their apartment, and the only person that they have any contact with is a neighbor who they um, share a uh, wall with. So we're kind of stuck in the apartment the whole time, and uh, you don't really know what's going on in the outside world. All you know is uh, it's not great. So... (laughs) um, (laughs) And What's then just like? trying to survive this uh, unknown event. I want to know how much fun it was to destroy an apartment and how yeah. mad any neighbors were that all of that was happening. <laughs> um, yeah. The so, um, so, yeah, I made a movie about a guy who's going crazy in his apartment. Um, so at some point, the idea occurred to me, well, I just need to have a crazy montage where he destroys everything. It was a total blast. Um, <laughs> sometimes there was a little bit of anxiety because some shots we really only had one chance at because yeah, with the couch, you're, you're breaking and tearing up <laughs> yep. real things. Um, yep, yep. I didn't have a prop budget. There was nothing fake. So, <laughs> um, so there was a little bit of just like nervousness that it, you know, will end up usable in the end. But, uh, besides that, it was, you know, kind of a blast. It was definitely a little bit of a thing to have shards of glass and sharp bits 
all around where we were filming for the next, you know, probably eight days after that. So, uh, cause we filmed that movie in order. And so the destruction of stuff happens fairly early on. So yeah, we were living in the, uh, the putrid conditions that that apartment eventually <laughs> turns into throughout the movie and actually relating it back to good time, crystal and her grandmother's house and how it looks and how it's lit and everything about the look of that scene in good time was exactly how I wanted the apartment to look by the end of the movie. So, um, it was definitely a direct inspiration on how it's lit and just how it looks and what props are there and how grimy things get. Um, Oh, that's awesome. That, that was really like cool. definitely probably one of the biggest visual inspirations was good time for sure. Whoa. How serendipitous is that? That we're <laughs> talking about both of these things at the same time. That's great. But also like, how did you, you were unscrewing vents. You punched through a wall. Like, how did you do that? That couldn't have been real unless it was. Somebody is not getting their security deposit. <laughs> I was going to say like, I hope okay. you, the the absolute miracle of the movie is I did get my security deposit back. <laughs> um, I probably moved out maybe like four months after we filmed that, maybe a little bit longer. Um, so I had time to, you know, clean it up somewhat. But there was definitely a few dings that were, you know, created. <laughs> the wall that we punched through is the only kind of real prop or anything that I kind of paid money for. That was a fake wall that I made just with like Home Depot stuff. Um, And that cost probably like $500. And that fake wall was one third of our budget for the whole movie. (laughs) So, So, but the wall, if anyone sees it, you'll see the wall is weirdly a major character. So it was worth uh, it was yeah. worth dropping a third of the budget on. <laughs> on nice. Yeah. Oh my god, that's so funny. But yeah, everything else is was either just my own stuff or um, like the well, the chair for example was an ex of mine who had moved out um, under like trying circumstances. So that was fun to like completely destroy. <laughs> I'm and, sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, most of that stuff was just mine that I sacrificed for the, uh, the greater good of, of making a movie. So, nice. um, yeah, that was all, that was all like my kitchenware and stuff and I had to get new cups and things like that, but all well. <laughs> if people don't know, if like, if they haven't watched the movie and they're just hearing you talk about it, they're like, <laughs> what the fuck is going on? Oh my gosh. Like it gets to a point where you definitely watch somebody lose it (laughs) i just am like give this man lots of money to make like a big budget like (laughs) i feel like you've got it dude i really really enjoyed watching your work well thank you guys yeah no um i mean that movie was i mean everything that i do on the personal side is just to uh just for the fun of it and if any of them ever hit in the future that would be awesome but uh Yeah, I just love doing this stuff so much that, you know, 
if I never make money directing and that's just what I do on the side and I can afford to do it, then uh, that's okay with me. Yeah, I mean, and you're around it so much. I'm sure you're picking up stuff and able to, you know, exercise certain creative muscles, but then there's something different about like having your own project that you're in charge of that you sort of get to steer the ship and is like an added pressure that's you know, appealing to some people. And, you know, I, I get the idea of like wanting to do your own thing. No, I mean, it's always fun to be in charge. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, it's definitely all that stuff definitely helps. You keep an inventory in the back of your mind of like, okay, what is like the minimum amount of stuff I need to make something look, you know, how I want it to look or whatever. Cause I mean, who's with me? I mean, we maybe had five lights total, and they were like, and like these lights were probably like eighty bucks a piece. They weren't like you know real film set lights or anything, yeah. but it's just kind of about how you use them. And like most people who see the movie think that like most of the money went into like lights and cameras, and it was like we honestly spent no money on any of that stuff. It was just. Uh, you know, knowing what to work with, just that was just stuff that we owned, just like cheapy home stuff. Uh, so, um, that's, it, that's awesome. probably just because, yeah, being an AC and gaffer just helps to, you know, use that those muscles and stuff. Yeah, and like when you have to suddenly wear multiple hats, like being an indie filmmaker, like obviously you're juggling a lot of things, a lot of different roles, a lot of times. And I mean, do you want to confess something about the editor? Well, there's several people in my crew who are non-existent people. (laughs) Um, I just, I, I personally just, you know, wanted to see my name only once. I, I, I'm not a fan of like, you know, seeing it like a thousand times. So you know, I made up a producer, I made up an editor, I made up a gaffer, I made up uh, everything. I mean, the only people we had, it was me, a DP, and an actor for the entire uh, set. And then, of course, the second actor was voice sessions after we filmed. But there was only three of us, and I think I probably have like a 15-person crew in the end credits. Um, but, yeah. Also, to bring it back to, to good time, did you guys notice that all that the Safdie brothers do for their movies, it's kind of insane how many roles they have. Yes. One co-wrote it, one co-edited it. They both directed, they like one stars in it. That's Denny Softie, he's the actor of the two. He also sound records all their movies. So he's the sound man for all these Wait, things. Wait, how the hell? <laughs> yeah i don't i don't know how that's working with the scenes where he's acting but so maybe you know those reins are handed off for those particular moments but i do know they're extremely extremely hands-on about everything so maybe this is just coming from somebody who really does not like uh the pressure of dealing with like audio in general but if i were a director and I had my own movie, sound recording is the first thing that I would delegate to someone else. <laughs> I would not be like, oh, I want to do that too. <laughs> Absolutely fucking not. Um, well, I was lucky enough to see a Q&A with, um, around the time when Uncut Gems was being released. Wow, that's awesome. And for, for that movie, 
um, they talked a little bit about the sound. And they said, uh, who have, I think it was A24, whoever produced the movie was kind of like, hey, you guys should like start, you know, pawning off some of these roles that you guys do. So they brought in a different sound mixer for Uncut Gems. But they say when they listened to it the first time, they were like, we don't know how to explain this, but the sound mixer made the movie sound like it took place like uptown. It didn't sound like the Diamond District. So we kind of went in and redid everything. So even when they tried to delegate their work, they ha- they are too uh, controlling <laughs> about stuff. So they, they go back and change everything again. But um, I think it's all in service of you watch their movies and you get the feeling that they really want to make them as authentic to the experiences of their characters as possible. So truly, um, I appreciate that kind of obsessiveness because the hard work definitely comes through. Yeah, it makes for a great movie and a great take three episode. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like debating on whether or not I was going to tell you guys this because I know that this is probably going to make me sound like somewhat unprofessional I would never want to come across like I don't have it all together. (laughs) Last night, I I did something to my back. I like pulled my back out. And with my history of spine issues and stuff, I'm like suddenly very alarmed about it. Well, I've been like taking medicine for it and stuff. And um, last night, uh, I was like, okay, I have this uh, stoner patch kid gummy. (laughs) And so I made it through like pretty much almost the entire movie. Towards the end, I was like, man, I'm not 100% sure I know what's going on, but I can't feel my back. Like, I don't, <laughs> I it, I feel like I, my whole body's numb. This is just great. I love this. I just love this movie. I'm just so happy. Like, <laughs> to the point where when it ended, I kind of had to check myself because I'm like, why am I so happy? Like, they kind of lost, you know, like it kind of ended poorly. Um, but I'm just so, I'm so thrilled. And I, I like went to bed like, oh, that's when I, I called you, Jordan, or you called me, right? Did I not seem a little off? You did, yeah. Yeah, because I was high. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. Makes sense now. Thank I was you. like debating on whether or not I was going to tell you. But yeah, I and so um, it's a good movie to watch when you are uh, partaking because I, I think maybe like it sort of mellows out a very stressful movie. <laughs> the Safdie brothers don't like their audiences to breathe at all. Like they, they, it's like constant anxiety from the get go. Yeah, and I recognize that very early on in the movie, and like even with their camera work and how close they get to the actors faces like there's no personal space there's no boundaries there's never like like a catch your breath moment uh any time it's just always like running at a million miles per hour and it's like it's a style that like by the end of it when he was in the cop car and we're zooming in close on his face the credits start rolling i'm like like i can finally like breathe again i'm like whoa it's over (laughs) Do you guys feel like you have any favorite moments, favorite things that you want to talk about before we wrap this up? I think I've got it down to two moments. It's either you guys both mentioned it, but when you realize that he stole the wrong person out of the hospital, it's just unbelievable. It's in, it's like just your stomach just dropping yeah. out. At least the first time I saw it, I was just like, oh, my God. 
God. <laughs> that it's was brilliant. Like, like, what a brilliant thing to have happen. Yeah, and it was just like, I, I did, like, you know, I, I see so many movies, I work on movies, and when just, when a moment happens that I truly did not see coming, it's just, like, electrifying to me. So, like, that moment in particular was just, like, I think that's when I absolutely fell in love with this movie the first time I saw it. But I also want to shout out a little mini movie that is the story of Ray and how he ended up in the hospital um, where he's just telling the story about selling acid and coming out of jail and getting drunk immediately. Just that little 10 minute section is such a good short film in the middle of this, you know, amazing movie. Totally. Um, But yeah, there's the momentum of just how he's telling it and the voiceover interweaving with the flashbacks. It feels very like, Goodfellas to me, which is like one of my favorite movies ever. And yeah, I just love that 10 minute little section where you kind of go into a a different movie for for a second. That is a really great part. Yeah. Talking about these, like I might pop a gummy and and watch it too. Like, like again, just to experience, like I feel even, even in Uncut Gems, like these movies feel so like neon is almost the word because they have like these like synthy eighties soundtrack to them the whole time. And I don't like that does seem like a really fun thing to watch high. Like it just (laughs) sounds like a great experience. I think I was when, when he started telling that story, I was like, I don't know what's going on, but this is cool. (laughs) (laughs) Like I understand what it was like after, like I, I got my bearings, but I'm like, wait, (laughs) where did I change the channel? Um, (laughs) Something that you pointed out, Austin is just how great crystal is. And I know that there's like the, the statutoryness of it all. uh, And I'm just hoping that he's playing a a 17 year old. I don't know. I mean, clearly not. Yeah. Uh, But she like her parts, everything with her in it, aside from that part is, really good like that that actress i really like her yeah i i love crystal i mean like you said there really isn't a character in this movie that isn't like totally have a colorful personality and you know some of them only have you know one scene two scenes that they leave such a impression but yeah crystal is uh she's just totally my favorite and the fact that she stays loyal to him and like doesn't give him up makes me like love her even more like I just love her I love everything about her (laughs) absolutely yeah she's awesome yeah I guess if you could like pick a negative with this movie is that I wish I could have more of I I feel like I'm saying his name wrong but uh Barkhad Abdi uh Jennifer Jason Lee the therapist at the beginning I really liked him. I thought he was like going to be like a, a you know, a big character in the movie. Even the teller when they're robbing the bank yeah. stands out. How good and suspenseful is that scene with I think there's two lines of dialogue and the only weapon is a pen. Yeah. And it's like feel like you're like in a Mexican standoff with like a million guns being pointed at you or something. <laughs> but it's like literally just like a guy going like that. Like <laughs> but it's so good. It's brilliant. I mean like I don't know. I feel like maybe uh, I might try it. I don't, you know. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> your, if your takeaway from this movie was to try and get away with crime, I'm, I'm not sure if you took away the correct things. No. You were a little too high there. That's <laughs> Take three.
all I'm looking at now is your shirt. So I guess we could start with that. I love that shirt. That's awesome. Thank you. This was given to me by my boyfriend when he was still very much courting me. So, oh. <laughs> so. it's the so. way to your heart. Yeah. It's a, a shirt with an image of the two brothers from Good Time. Yeah. Like the only bummer is it's white and I'm a horrendous slob so I, 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 I stained it literally probably like day one um but i've talked myself into that just like worked for the movie absolutely grimy through the rest of my life and it'll probably be like black in like two years or something it gives it character i love it yeah well first off i've been not asking your opinion on this movie via text because i want to talk about it here I'm assuming that you've seen Nope. I have. Good. All right. So uh, before we get started, can we just get thoughts on that? Jordan and Austin, please. I really loved it, but I will say I'm already pretty much totally in the bag for Jordan Peele at this point. I love all three of his movies, and I really like that he's just willing to let some surreal things just kind of linger and not be afraid to, you know, answer every single question. Like, could Get Out was, like, such a perfect script in terms of, like, you know, everything just fits so perfectly like a jigsaw. But Us and Nope have been, like, a little bit weirder, and uh, I definitely enjoy that. But, uh, yeah, I totally loved it. I accidentally saw it in... 4d which i didn't know was a thing or existed wow So just like partly into the movie my seat just starts rumbling like crazy during like the first like windstorm <laughs> stuff and then like wind is blowing in my ears and it was okay it was definitely i wish i knew going in <laughs> like, what the screen i just was like 4d that just means must mean it's like big cool uh, <laughs> And then everything started violently shaking. So I want to see it again without being like in a roller coaster ride (laughs) with like lights flashing and like fog machines going. Um, But it was really cool. And actually on opening day, I tried to go to like the little theater that's nearest me to go see it a second time because I was just really really into it and this was friday night and they said it was sold out till tuesday oh so, wow <laughs> um i've never like experienced that either like you know for like something that wasn't like star wars or like avengers endgame or something it was just like yeah oh okay it's sold out till tuesday that's crazy <laughs> all right see you then i guess bye <laughs> <laughs> so uh I guess it's a, it's very popular in my small immediate area. It, it seems that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I saw it yesterday. I am very selfish when it comes to watching movies in theaters. I I need it to be like no distractions, completely quiet. So I'll go do like a matinee on a weekday on like a Monday or Tuesday, which is what I did yesterday. I loved it. And I had avoided every trailer, every TikTok, every YouTube video that promoted this. Like I was completely in the dark about it. And 
I was terrified. There were several moments during that movie where like I had to remind myself to breathe. And but there were also moments that I really felt emotional and it was just like this roller coaster of emotions that I'd never felt before in any other movie and it was fantastic. And I feel like for all three of his movies the elevator pitches could just they just sound so silly sometimes. Like if you were to just one sentence synopsis of all three of his movies, they could come off kind of like maybe a little cheesy, but he manages to make them so relatable and so engaging and just just so cool. And I love, he's just a master storyteller. He picks the best casts and it was incredible. Like, and I leaving that movie, knowing everything, I kind of see it differently. I almost like sympathize a little bit with, with Jean Jacket. Once you know the twist about it, you kind of see it in a different perspective and it becomes this really beautiful thing. And it makes me really eager to see it again. And, um, I hope to soon in theaters while it's still in theaters because it really is a marvel. I I didn't see it in 4D, but it was it was a lot of fun in my in my regular theater. So yeah, I'm trying to see it regular for sure. Yeah, <laughs> let's talk about good times. Who wants to go first with their research? Would you like to go, Austin? Uh, sure. Honestly, the one thing that just kind of seemed to be a recurring theme just the more and more I read about this movie was just their um, extremely obsessive chase to just capture things how they feel is authentically like I, I was reading all about how you know they had permission to film in the mall where like that initial kind of police chase happens and they decided to just keep it open and not tell anybody about what was going on and they just like hired real cops to be real cops. They hired a real bail bondsman to be the real, like, bail bondsman. I think there's only, like, four actual actors in the movie. The rest are people that are basically playing extensions of what they already do in real life. That is so cool. Yeah. There was even a scene, the bail bondsman uh, scene, they filmed with Eric Roberts, who's, like, a pretty, like, cool, old-school, like, Hollywood actor. But, uh... Apparently, they just met this real bail bondsman like after it, and they were just like, eh, let's just cast this guy and do it again. So, even just like to be making your first like quote unquote Hollywood movie and be like, uh, let's get rid of like the celebrity and (laughs) replace him with just like some dude is already like they just seem very, very dedicated to making extremely realistic kind of decisions for their movies. Another extension of that seemed to be, I think, these two on my t-shirt were the only actors that ever actually got a script. So everybody else was just told about their characters and then just told to kind of improvise, you know, wow. the dialogue. Which is crazy with a movie that has a lot of twists and churns that need to be kind of, like, perfect. And uh, the fact that they could write a script that did all of that while also just putting in all of these weird, realistic kind of guerrilla shooting like tactics was just uh, awesome. It is awesome. Thinking back to the movie and how all of the characters interact with each other, it could very well be like ad-libbed or, or improvised. Like it, it does very much seem that way. And I, it makes me wonder if they did the same thing for Uncut Gems because Uncut Gems has a very similar style in that regard. I do know that they wrote 160 drafts of Uncut Gems. Which oh, seems wow. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, I get they 
we're writing it kind of continuously for 12 years. Wow. So they just kind of revisit it like very often. I don't know if you guys remember, like it's like the basketball player that's playing himself and all that in Uncut Gems. So like obviously kind of the structure of that movie kind of has to do with like his specific like playoff run that year. Like it all kind of operates on which nights are game nights and which nights he wins or loses. So I was like, man, they had to like re like write it so specifically to him. I wonder if he was like signed on to this movie forever. And it turns out like, no, there was like seven or eight athletes that were kind of attached at different points. So they had to rewrite the movie every single time to be specific to that player's like year that year. Wow. So <laughs> like, so yeah, they're just like obsessively um, just crazy. But I mean, it pays off, obviously. Definitely pays off. No doubt about that. Finding out about that kind of stuff just makes me admire their craft like tenfold. Yeah, they're pretty hardworking dudes. I was also reading that apparently the Nick character in general was from a completely different movie that they made like or were going to make like eight years before Good Time. So... They kind of like took all of this old footage of him playing Nick and then was just like, okay, well, what would happen to this guy if he was like eight years older and blah, 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 blah. So like, that's just another aspect that, you know, they had been working sort of on, even though like good time, you know, they kind of wrote it quickly. There's still these like parts in it where it's like, they worked on it for like over a decade. It's always like, geez, these guys like really take the time. Yeah. yeah. And apparently good time came together like really quickly. Basically Robert Pattinson wrote them and was like, let's make a movie. And they were like, okay, let's do it like immediately because you're emailing us. How crazy. So they wrote it like really fast. Um, and so, yeah, they kind of, obviously, they worked it into kind of this older narrative that they had, but obviously updating the character because he was now like a decade older and had a brother now and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. That is so, so. cool. To piggyback off of some of those points, I also read up some trivia. The Bail Bonds story is actually very interesting because they rented the office from the guy who played the bail bondsman. And they were like, actually we kind of like you. So he and his wife were swapped out for that actor and just like, just like worked in their own like bail bonds office. It was, <laughs> it was really incredible. Jordan, do you know who Eric Roberts is? I had to look him up. Do you, you know who he's related to? No, he is Julia Roberts's brother. Oh really? Nice. And he's Emma Roberts's dad. I guess I didn't realize that Julia Roberts would be that would make sorry <laughs> that would make oh how the turntables <laughs> it's my computer i'm sorry that would make julie roberts emma roberts's aunt good job yes interesting i did not know that isn't that cool that is cool but they ditched him for realism that is like really trusting somebody because i know people that if asked to do their job and say words that they wouldn't be able to do it in front of a camera. Yeah, I think that's probably partly like the reason for their strategy of not giving anybody a script because they know like the second you give somebody an exact like sentence to say, that's how like they're going to just somehow make it really just wooden and like <laughs> Yeah, um, absolutely. So I think if they just say, "Hey, just 
talk like you do. And then, you know, maybe like 10 minutes into this person talking, they'll, you know, they're more comfortable and just kind of seem more natural. And I'm sure you like, you know, you just cut into that part of the scene where somebody is already kind of warmed up and just been like, you know, chatting naturally for a few minutes already. I love that strategy of filmmaking. I think that's so cool. I don't want to say it seems like unnecessarily hard. I can see (laughs) some people feeling that way, but like seeing the finished product, I'm not going to question their methods because it worked, right? But it's just really cool. I just really, like I appreciate the hell out of that. Okay, so this movie didn't set the box office on fire. It made $4 million, uh, two domestic and two international. It probably didn't have a very wide release. But the Rotten Tomato score is crazy good. It is certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes with a 92% Damn, nice. and 82% uh, audience score. And that little critics consensus thing that I always love to read, it says a visual treat filled out by consistently stellar work from Robert Pattinson. Good Time is a singularly distinctive crime drama offering far more than the usual genre thrills. So we're actually coming up on the five-year anniversary of this film's domestic release. While it premiered at Cannes in 2017 in May, it opened in limited theaters on August 11th of 2017. So we're very close, especially by the time this episode airs. (laughs) Uh, I will say this about the maybe weakish box office performance. The little money that it did make, um, a big chunk of it was from me because um, (laughs) this is actually the movie I've seen the most times in a movie theater. How many times? How many times? So it's going to make me sound awfully nuts. And (laughs) I'll say this is like a rare occasion where I would do this but this was just like one of those movies where i just wanted to show everybody that i knew and each time i just enjoyed it the same amount or more so i was like well and i also knew that frankly it kind of flopped a little bit so i figured it wasn't going to be in theaters for like the longest time ever so i saw it eight times which sounds really (laughs) (laughs) nuts i love the dedication yeah same I had been in L.A. not the longest, so it was probably also one of the more, like, unemployed periods of my time, which probably had a lot to do with that, too. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so somewhere from, like, $80 to $100 of that box office money is all from me. Nice. You're welcome, softy brothers. (laughs) (laughs) That makes me very curious. Nick, do you know how many – do you know, like, your record for most? Yeah, it's only three. Really? Civil War. Oh, you don't like the theaters. I used to go see movies with like everyone I knew. So it was, you know what I mean? It was never really like, uh, oh, I got to show you and you and you. It's like we all would see it together. Mine's actually tied between, I don't know if it's my top two favorite movies, but certainly my top five. Uh, I saw It, Chapter One, and Annihilation each five times in theaters. And honestly, it's because like, it's like the spectacle of the theater. Like you're just surrounded in it. And I knew specifically for Annihilation, cause that one is definitely my favorite movie. I'll never be able to like drown in the sound like I would in a theater ever again. Like that was a once in a lifetime thing. So I was like, I got to soak this up as many times as I can. Uh, and I don't regret a single one of them. So. Yeah. I'll say I live in one of the cities where in theory, good time could be like playing tonight or something. I haven't, like ever I don't think one's ever happened there might have been one 
at the theater that Quentin Tarantino owns here. But um, hopefully with the five-year anniversary coming up, there'll be something. And if not, then in five years, surely, on the 10-year anniversary, <laughs> something will happen. And I'll be able to see it for the ninth time. Nice, <laughs> nice. Well, uh, $4 million on a $2 million budget. I know it costs money to advertise and you know the theater takes a cut and all that stuff. But it clearly didn't stop them from making another movie. So that's good. It did compete for the Palme d'Or at Cannes, and um, it didn't win it. One to some movie I'd never heard of from some other country. (laughs) But um, it did win the Cannes Soundtrack Award, which I didn't even know was a thing. (laughs) Uh, Tell me, honestly, did either of you know that that was a thing? The award itself? Yeah, the Soundtrack Award from Cannes. No, I didn't. Like, no clue, but here it is. My um, favorite award at Con is the Palm Dog, which they give to the best animal performance every year. <laughs> <laughs> so I know the puppy from, or puppy, but the pit bull from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was the last one I've heard of. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> Why don't they do that at the Oscars? I love that. I can already assume that because this is, you know, your movie that you probably already know a lot of this stuff, but I just have a bunch of like behind the scenes stuff that I wanted to talk about. So feel free to cut me off or chime in whenever. Cut him off on everything he says. <laughs> Actually, uh, they dyed Robert Pattinson's hair so many times that it started to fall out eventually. Uh, and once the shooting was over, he decided to just buzz it all off. And then that's when they took the mugshot photo for the end of the film, apparently. Kind of like Nick. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. He has to prep for his mugshot photo too in a bit. Um, <laughs> I had to buzz it because of lice. Mm, nice like in Alien 3. Did that really happen in Alien 3? Yeah. So, like in Alien 3, they, they're on this like prison planet and they have to shave everybody's head because of lice. I'm not kidding. Okay. I, I believe you. That's the full plot of the movie. That's yeah, that's, that's, that's like the main development. <laughs> the term good time, I didn't know this, uh, but it's a prison slang for the reduction that one gets uh, to their sentence for good behavior. And they kind of chose it because of like how wrong everything goes as soon as he gets out of prison, which I think is kind of funny and morbid at the same time. Apparently, this is the role that brought Matt Reeves to write the Batman with Pattinson in mind, according to IMDb, which I think is really cool. I definitely remember before Batman coming out, him saying that he was watching Good Time over and over while writing the script, which got me awfully excited for Batman. I have that note as well. And right before it, I say... Uh, you probably already said this in take two, Austin, but I totally oh, yeah. forget. So like <laughs> I just like assumed that you've already said that, but I just haven't listened to take two in a little while. So uh, if you already said that, here's that information again. And it's coming for a third time when I say it. <laughs> God, that happens a lot where we just forget what we've said in take one and take two. So if any of this is repetition, apologies. Yeah, same on my end. I probably already (laughs) told you guys that I saw it eight times. I have no idea. (laughs) So, like, I could edit some of this out, but I just rather it just ingrained into people's heads. You know how, like, what I think it was like Hitchcock said, like, you need to say something three times in a movie or visually represent it for them to really get it. 
So power threes. Bam. <laughs> um, so do I say each of these points three times moving forward? Well, you might not have to because yeah, I'll probably have some of the same things and also probably already said them. We probably already said it in take two. All yeah. right. Um, so <laughs> uh, the die pack in the beginning when the the uh, the pack explodes in their face and they get like this pink stuff all over them, uh, it's holy powder. Which, if you're unfamiliar, holy is the Hindu holiday. It's the it's commonly known as the festival of colors, where people like gather and then throw those like colored powder everywhere, and you see people covered in all this like different colors. I think it's uh, the color run was inspired by this. If that's something that's more familiar, when oh you do, wow, like, a marathon and they throw the colored powder at you and you leave, you're just like covered in all this color. So powder. white people taking uh, yeah. Hindu culture and appropriating, <laughs> got it? Yep. <laughs> And running. What the fuck? Okay. Sorry, keep going. <laughs> I think a lot of this was covered, but there was a, a mentality while shooting about ask for forgiveness rather than permission. Uh, they really wanted it to be as gritty and true as possible. So they, like, uh, like you had said, they uh, shot in a mall and just kind of shot wherever like in the hospital that they were in, there were, they were in a real ER uh, with real patients that were around I know we keep bringing up Uncut Gems in an episode about Good Time, but just it, just a great example of that is um, when Adam Sandler is fighting with his girlfriend in the middle of the street at one point, and they're like banging on a limo, like they're like thrash, like they're just in the middle of public going crazy. Apparently, the whole crew filmed that from like across the street and down a block on like this insane zoom lens, so absolutely like no one was around them. It looked like real life and there's a couple of shots with a guy on a bike who's just gawking in disbelief about the couple that he's watching like fight <laughs> and he makes it into a few shots and they talked about it how that's like one of their favorite moments is just this guy who's just like oh my god these people are going crazy that's and, incredible and, and had no idea that he was like in a a24 adam sandler movie <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> I love that. I think that's incredible. I love it when you hear stories about um, uh, the movie that comes to mind is Goonies when directors like don't tell the actors what to expect or something comes as a surprise so that they get the actors genuine reactions. Like that's how this feels. And I think I even read somewhere that they were like uh, during the train scene. Um, well, first through the whole filming, they tried to hide Robert Pattinson as much as possible. Like anytime they were asked on set what they were filming, they were, they told everyone to talk about like some other movie or some untitled project or something like that. Um, and while they were on the train scene, they were texting their directing to Robert Pattinson. Like they weren't there shooting with him, which is just, that's insane. Like to, to be that dedicated to your craft to the point where you want to make it as authentic as possible. Like that's why I see a movie. I want to escape. I want to be like in, I want to be transported into a different, um, scenario or setting. And it just, it worked. It worked so well. They did a perfect job of that. I also think that that probably led to a $2 million budget, like them not having to have all these sets and everything. I'm sure that helped a lot. And as far as shooting out in public or shooting in a hospital, I mean, I don't know why you would know this, but uh, maybe you do. What is the legality situation on that? I mean, like you have to have permits to shoot outside in a lot of places. So is that just like a, a sorry and then just hope nobody sues them? 
So I was reading a little bit about how some, like, they would do things like they would get permits for, like, half a block. Because, like, that's literally, like, how specific some film permits get. It's like, they had permission to shoot on half a block. And then they would get there and just pretend, like, oh, it actually says these, like, six blocks. And they would just, like, (laughs) move away from, like, the thing. So they, they kind of covered their ass with paperwork, but then just kind of stretched it when they were <laughs> out in the real world yeah that's uh, awesome and also in general it's all kind of a gray area um i i this is like a weird distinction but i know here in la one like if you're trying to steal a shot out in a public place it's legal as long as you don't have like a tripod or a dolly or anything you're actually putting on the ground to obstruct like the public that's what makes it illegal. But if you're just doing everything handheld and you have like actual physical just attachment to everything and you're just like moving through public, that's legal. So like, I don't know exactly how New York is, if it's the same, which is obviously where this was filmed, but I'm sure there's, you know, just same little quirky, weird rules like that, that you kind of lean into and then honestly i'm sure a lot of this was honestly just done illegally and they kind of <laughs> cross so their cool. fingers <laughs> beyond brand for the movie yes yeah, i love that oh yeah. actually jay okay so not benny but the other uh brother he got arrested during this movie um i think for some of these kind of guerrilla tactics and the guy who plays the therapist is a lawyer in real life and he was he represented <laughs> um, Josh Softy during like a trial while they were making this movie for like oh some of the things that they were doing. So yeah, he doubled as an actor slash production lawyer, which is hilarious. Incredible. That is awesome. Incredible. <laughs> God. <laughs> okay, so I just looked up a bunch of shit about Robert Pattinson. I know that you, Austin. Uh, know a bunch of things that like he did in this movie well this almost has nothing to do with this movie other than i do know that he got nominated for 14 different acting awards for this movie which i thought was pretty cool and you probably said this uh austin in take two but i forgot um reeves matt reeves when he was writing the character of bruce wayne for his batman movie actually wrote it with Robert Pattinson in mind after seeing this performance in good time. I almost got through it all. Fuck. That's <laughs> wild. Yeah, I had no you. idea. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm very happy that he did because I really love the Batman. Big fan of that movie. Okay, so <clears throat> this is just weird. At 12 years old, uh, Robert Pattinson got expelled from his school because he stole porno magazines and sold them to his friends. <laughs> so I admire his entrepreneurial spirit at such a young age. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, he plays guitar, piano, and can sing like really well, actually. I remember uh, – God, it must have been years and years and years back. I think there's a possibility that – that the Twilight movies hadn't even ended yet. But I remember hearing a song that he sang and being like, wait, this is Robert Pattinson? Like, I just would have never freaking guessed. He's talented. Um, and in 2008, he said uh, in an interview that music was his backup if acting didn't work out. 
but then acting worked out for him. So it, you know, but I still love his voice and would love to hear more music from him. I know that he's definitely still into it. So that's good. He also practices Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. <laughs> I thought that was cool. And I know that, um, so he, he started doing it in 2017, but his trainer for the Batman, which he might've started prepping for in 2017. I'm not 100% sure, but uh, is an eighth degree uh, jiu-jitsu black belt. So like, that's a good person to learn under. I don't know if the Batman is what started him, started him on his quest, but I'm um, very impressed. I need the Batman sequel to be wall-to-wall jiu-jitsu. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. That would be so dope. <laughs> Um, he, uh, he, this is funny and stupid. He learned to drive on the set of Twilight. So he, like, I, you, you haven't seen Twilight Jordan and Austin. Have you seen Twilight? I have not. What? What kind of gays are you? Okay. <laughs> finally feel like somewhat validated. I'm not the only one who hasn't seen Twilight. So he, um, he has a Volvo and it's such a big deal and, I swear to God, he really does. He has a Volvo, and it's a big deal. Such a big deal. And um, he he drives, and he drives sort of erratically. And apparently there was like a 10-hour um, crash course. I, I hate to use the word crash course, but like a, a crash course on how to drive on the set of Twilight when he did not know how to drive. So I thought that was really cool. Um, he has won every MTV movie award that he has ever been nominated for which is 10. Uh, and that includes, this is not like a fact. This is research I legit did. This includes a record amount of Best Kiss Awards. He and Kristen Stewart won Best Kiss four years in a row for the Twilight movies and to this day still hold the record for uh, male and female with the most wins and most nominations in that category. My God. <laughs> um are there five Twilight movies? Yeah, for some reason, like the MTV Movie Awards just completely shunned Breaking Dawn Part 2. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't remember like where I was when uh, Breaking Dawn Part 2 wasn't nominated for something. <laughs> I don't know. Or at least they they shunned him for Breaking Dawn Part 2. Now that I think about it, they might have like nominated the movie, but they definitely shunned like anything that had to do with Robert Pattinson. <laughs> anyway, this is more about Twilight. Okay, so he made two and a half million dollars for the first Twilight movie, right? Uh, it's estimated that around uh, 12 each for New Moon and Eclipse, which are the second and third movies. And after considering back end participation deals, on the last two Twilight movies, Breaking Dawn Part 1 and 2, it's estimated that he made well over $40 million for those two movies, right? So that's roughly $70 million from playing Edward Cullen over the course of like five years. Pretty fucking impressive. So one might understand why he took some time to do some smaller, more character-driven projects. Um, well, just on fun Robert Pattinson things, I think maybe the first thing that made me ever like him was he was doing an interview for that movie Water for Elephants, 
which I think might have been coming out like still when Twilight movies were coming out. And he was on like the Today Show or Good Morning America or something. And he just told this story about going to the circus with his parents and like watching the clowns die in an explosion. And he never breaks and never acts like it's a joke. But then later on, like years later, was like, oh, that was just all. I was just like making stuff up. (laughs) (laughs) I think that gives you an insight into the kind of personality that would be like attracted to like a good time type character. He kind of has this like weird sense of humor. (laughs) Yeah. um, Even like I remember when he was doing talk shows for Good Time, I think he got in a little bit of trouble because he told a joke story about masturbating one of the dogs on the good time set and didn't explain like just doesn't give away that he's joking he just kind of keeps this dry veneer about him and then it's not till like he has to clarify months later during all of these things that like none of this stuff i'm saying is true (laughs) just like completely (laughs) making up stuff i mean think about how many uh press junkets he's had to do in his life you know, and just to talk about stuff that's just so like, oh my God, who gives a fuck? I'm sure he's pretty jaded to that whole experience now. So like, even if it's a movie he's passionate about, I don't blame him for just going in there and just fucking with him, just trolling. <laughs> yeah, I highly recommend everybody Google like Robert Pattinson clown story. It's it's pretty hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> that was part of uh, like the second part of my research. Uh was that whole dog story and how the directors had to be like, like after that happened, they had to be like, this didn't happen. Like, this was not a thing. They had to like go in and do damage control for it. It was a big deal. Yeah. Maybe that's why it only made $4 million. <laughs> the last thing I have about uh, Robert Pattinson is just how he got in contact with these brothers in the first place. Um, He literally just saw a still photograph of the movie they made before Good Time. And based on that one photograph, like, found their email and sent them a long message about how he's, like, destined to work with them. And, like, he loves their work and blah, blah, blah. And it's all based on just this one one photograph. And he's like, I'll work as a caterer on your next movie. Just whatever we have to do to, like, make this work. And apparently Josh Softie was kind of, like, not turned off, but certainly, like, this is a really weird, like, message to get from (laughs) Robert Pattinson completely out of the blue. What should I do? And then, like, their agent was like, write back immediately. (laughs) (laughs) You're doing a movie with him immediately. So that's what they did and then wrote Good Time in, like, a really short time period. What was the movie that they did before this one? It's called Heaven Knows What. Um, it's a really good movie about two heroin addicts, and uh, one of the stars is actually the um, the guy he mistakes for his brother in Good Time. Uh, oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, so he's playing another very – so that guy is a real – criminal in real life in fact i think he's in prison now um um, but he's been in two or three of their movies and he's obviously like a really good actor but uh (laughs) can't stay out of trouble it seems so apparently good time a lot of it was based on like his experiences with like being in prison and coming out and blah 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 and he's the one who told him about the expression good time and all oh nice so um so yeah he's great but hopefully he can you know 
not be in prison for a longer period <laughs> next time. Jeez. I saw on one Reddit thread, uh, actually several that kind of backed up this idea about like this theme of dogs in this movie. Um, and it was like, whenever Connie wants to catch up on the news or figure out like what the news is covering on his situation, there's a couple times where he kind of flips through the channels and what's already on the TV is talking about like dogs that are being found in uh, like ring fights, uh, dogs that are being like neglected that have been found. He mentions at one point that he believes he was a dog in a past life. We see that Dash's dog is friendly to like only him as well. So there's this like big theme of, of dogs and um, someone brought it back to this being like a supplement to Connie's character or even uh, Nick's character as well about maybe being like abused or neglected uh, growing up and then trying to like survive as a stray and like protect his family and that kind of thing, which I thought was really interesting, but it led me into finding uh, (laughs) the supposed act that he had to do uh, (laughs) that he claimed to have done on Jimmy Kimmel. Um, So that was, that was a very interesting turn of events after trying to look more into that. But uh (laughs) <laughs> that's it for my research for this movie. <laughs> Does anybody have anything else that they want to say about this movie? Because we have a special treat for you all. <laughs> I'm good. I think I'm good. I am exhausted when it comes to all of my knowledge on this film. We've imparted all our wisdom. Now, Austin is going to tell you about a bunch of obscure movies that you may or may not have ever heard of. And um, they, well, you know what? They better be good. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. I'm loading up my letterbox as we speak. I'm about to add some stuff to my watch list. It wouldn't be an episode if Jordan did not bring up letterbox. We're still non-spawn, but I gotta tell you <laughs> the amount of times that we speak about this app, they really should send us some money. I love <laughs> it. I love this app. Or at least like, let us go to the pro version. Yeah, I'd even settle for that. Just give us both pro accounts for free. That'd be nice. Bam. (laughs) All right, Austin. Sorry, Austin. (laughs) Yeah, so in the days after last recorded, I wrote down dozens and dozens and dozens of movies, but I've gotten it down to like 10-ish to tell you guys. And they're not all like extremely obscure. Like there's some directors and stuff that are definitely well-known, but this is probably just some of the weirder stuff in their catalog, and then some of it's just, like, movies nobody's ever heard of, surely. The first one I have is, because this movie just has a fond place in my heart, it's called Night on Earth, and it's by Jim Jarmusch, um, really good director, and kind of Tarantino-ish, only in that it's five different stories that take place in five different taxi cabs around the world. Um, and each one's like 20, 30 minutes, but, and they're just kind of like dry comedies. A couple of them are like really dramatic and good. A couple of them are just like straight up hilarious, but, uh, Winona Ryder's in this one. Yeah. Winona Ryder. She's fantastic. She's in the very first segment, but so I probably saw bits of this movie for the first time when I was like, maybe like seven or eight years old or so. And I remember it was like late at night and me and my mom were just like flipping channels and the description just said like, you know, five separate stories or whatever. And she's like, oh, well, that's pretty good to just as far as a movie, just to skip into the middle because back in the day it was just cable. We couldn't rewind and stuff. So we probably saw like the last two or three. And I remember like 
as a young kid, like really loving what I saw, probably not like understanding it really, but just being like, this is, I've never seen anything like this really before. And then years later in high school, I was just in the alleys or in the aisles of a DVD store and like the cover was there. And I just had like the crazy flashback of the movie that I didn't know what it was called that I saw when I was like (laughs) seven years old and like, couldn't look it up on the internet because the internet didn't exist yet. <laughs> and like, um, so yeah, like discovered it later in high school and like got to watch like the full thing beginning to back and have now seen it like several times. Like I love it, love it, love it. That's I am awesome. super excited about that one. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So probably one of the early kind of things that got me into movies that are maybe a little off the beaten trail. Um, okay. So number two, is a movie, um, I think, from like the early to mid two thousands. It's called Right at Your Front Door. Darren Aronofsky produced it, but it's like a really, really small movie about like these cluster bombs that go off in, I believe, Los Angeles. And the whole movie takes place in this couple's house that they have to seal up because of all the toxins coming in. You might note some inspiration for my own movie there. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. So um, I kept that one on the list because, uh, yeah, it did have just like, that's about the only thing the movies have in common is just kind of that excuse of why, these people are stuck in the house, but that was definitely something that, uh, yeah, stayed with me for 20 years or something <laughs> until I made a movie just like it on my own. That, that one sounds like terrifying. Yeah. And that, that's probably a movie I've only seen twice, like when it came out. So I haven't given it the most uh, super recent viewing, but I'm sure it lives up. I really liked it a lot back in the day. Good. So these next two are from the same director because he's definitely in contention for, like, my favorite living director. He's certainly up there. And the movies are Undertow and George Washington. Um, The director is David Gordon Green, who has now since become, like, a big, giant studio filmmaker. We started with Pineapple Express. And then recently... I love him. Yeah, recently he's directed uh, the two Halloween movies, the two last ones. And so I definitely really love all of his blockbusters as well. But for about a decade, he made five or six movies in a row that all basically take place in the South, that all kind of have... It's very Softy Brothers-esque in that there's very few real actors. It's mostly just people kind of playing variations of themselves and i love all of those like all of his early movies are like super awesome but undertow is probably my favorite because it's just like a weird like gold hunting movie but it doesn't like it doesn't feel like a fun adventure movie at all like it's like this kind of like serious drama but it does have this like fun adventure like feel to it and it's just super weird and it's just like these super weird southern movies that i saw you know, probably starting in like late nineties, early two thousands. And I was just like, who is this director? Like his movies are just so weird and all come from like parts of the country that you don't really like see movies about, especially, you know, like 20 years ago and stuff. So yeah, love all of his movies. Kristen Stewart's in that one. Oh yeah. Kristen Stewart. Yeah. To bring it back to (laughs) Robert Pattinson. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, those two, but really, 
most of his movies, I recommend. This is another pretty big director, but it's a very small movie. It's called Schizopolis. It's from Steven Soderbergh, who directed like the Oceans trilogies. That's definitely like his big stuff and traffic. But this is a movie he made for, I believe, $5,000. And he made it after having like four or five flops in a row and decided to just make something absolutely crazy. Probably the weirdest movie ever. It's, like, it's a really wacky comedy, but just like it makes no sense whatsoever. The movie opens with Steven Soderbergh playing himself, like answering fan questions like in the audience and telling them that if they don't understand the movie, they just have to come back and pay to, to see it over and over and over again until they get it. And if you don't get it, like, believe me, it's not my fault. It's actually yours. So you're just going to have to like, so like, that's how like the, the movie opens with this really wacky feel. And also in my movie, Who's With Me, there's like this extended shot where a character is looking in the mirror and making funny faces for like a really long time yeah that is 100 percent just stolen tarantino <laughs> style directly from schizopolis is that where the poster comes from is that what this is yes um so that's that's, Steven, that's steven soderbergh who it's the only time he's ever acted and he has three different roles in this movie <laughs> and he's hilarious and he's never acted again but uh, yeah, if you want something truly bizarre, um, but maybe not so serious, that's that's a good one. He's like such an inspiring director because like he's made the big pictures, but then to just be like, oh, OK, I'm just going to make some movies on my phone. That's really cool. Yeah, there's like there's this one point in his I, it's like 2005 or 2007 or something like that, where he goes from I think it's like Ocean's 13, which had like a hundred and thirty five million dollar budget. And then right after that, he made a movie called Bubble for $5,000. <laughs> I think it's just hilarious to make those like back yeah, to back. <laughs> that, is, that is crazy. Okay, the next movie is a pretty wild drama, black comedy. Um, I think it's also the first lead role of Michael Shannon, if I have that correct. But it's called Bug with him and Ashley Judd. And it's just the two of them also pretty much in one motel room for the entire movie. You might sense a reoccurring theme <laughs> to some of these low-budget things. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What, what kind of bug is it? Um, well, are there even bugs at all? It's... Okay, okay. <laughs> I thought you were going to say a C-word bug, and I'm like, nope, uh -uh, I can't watch that one. <laughs> no, it's the director of The Exorcist, so again, a huge like. Oh, wow. But just like a really wacky little movie he made in the early 2000s and i remember seeing this movie in a mall in either middle school or high school whenever it came out and everyone in the theater besides me booing so violently at the screen as it ended and it left a really big impact and i was like I think I maybe love this. <laughs> I love how this movie is making people like feel right now. <laughs> nice. Because I've I've only had that. Yeah, two audiences ever have that. The other one was the mist. Like I, that ending, like made people so mad that they booed like, oh, yeah. at it. Like oh my insanely. god. I totally get that. <laughs> um, so yeah, bug really wacky. Man, I want to like run out and see all of these. <laughs> I know. Letterbox says like it has similar films underneath this and it has Midsummer and The Shining and Shutter Island. 
and The Invisible Man. So like I'm I want oh and The Invitation. These are like some of my favorite movies that are listed here. Yeah, I love The Invitation. Me too. You're in great company. <laughs> when I think about where you live, Austin, that's like the kind of area I think about. Yeah, I I would not be surprised. I don't know exactly which hill like the invitation was filmed at, but I would not be shocked if it was like the hill that I'm pointing at. <laughs> I think about it at nighttime a lot. Have you ever seen any red lights? Yeah, I think of that and I think of um this is the end, the Seth Rogen movie where like the oh, whole yes. hillside's on fire and like the Hollywood Hills and everyone's dying. <laughs> I love that movie. Okay. Uh next movie is also probably early 2000s. If anyone is like into Johnny Darko, you should probably check this movie out. It's called The Jacket. And it has Adrian Brody and Kira Knightley and uh, Chris Christopherson. And uh, cool. it's just a really small time travel kind of movie. They're doing this like experimental therapy where he's going into like a morgue box like a morgue kind of closet thing and every time he's going into it he's going into the past or the future and all this crazy shit but if anybody likes movies like Donnie Darko or anything like that the jacket's just a good one that not many people know about and that sounds like something I would totally love Jennifer wow. Jason Lee is also in it. And oh, I know no that. way! Yeah, yeah. There we go. Um, also, speaking of Donnie Darko, I have another... This is prob- maybe the latest movie on this list, or the second latest, but uh, it's Enemy with Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, I've seen that one, yep. Yeah, so very bizarre, as I'm sure you can attest to. Yes. Um, oh, Jordan hated this movie! Yeah. I 100% can see what, like, it's one of those movies where I know, like, my parents, like, saw it and also, like, completely hated it. Like, even my adventurous mom was like, no, that was too much. (laughs) For some reason, when I was in film school, like, the 40 or, like, 50 kind of filmmaking friend group that I had just in the most random thing ever, everybody really just decided to get into enemy. <laughs> so I feel like we were like the only like 40 or 50 people who had like even bothered to see this movie. And for some reason, it just like clicked with all of us. And like every time I was on other people's sets, everybody was just like taking their shot from enemy and like all this stuff. And of course, like I made a doppelganger movie, like, or short movie, like, in college, like, shortly after seeing it. And it was just, like, a weird, yeah, like, movie that a random 40-person group decided to get, like, really, really into. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I can completely understand uh, why anyone would hate it. And I can say that about any of these movies, so it's all good. <laughs> I would, I will say, I didn't hate it. I realized I only gave it one star. However, I think it's because... A, I didn't understand it. I think like there's a lot of things that I can like infer about movies that are sort of highbrow like that, and I couldn't tell you a single thing about this after finishing the movie. So I think I, it just needs to be studied for me, and and I just need to talk about it more. But also, I think like in spite of all of that, there wasn't a lot of like payoff. Like we got to the end, and I was like, that was it. That was. <laughs> That was this big twist that everyone was talking about. I just, I think I just did not understand the movie. Uh, but I would be more than happy to give it another shot if someone were able to, like, maybe explain some things. 
I'd, I'd give it another chance if that if that were possible. But. Yeah, I do know that he made he went through the extreme uh, thing of he made every single actor sign an NDA so that they could never tell what the director's interpretation of that ending is. Oh my god! So it's it's really up in the it's really up into up in the air. It's whatever viewer you know whatever you want it to be. But I know he like went out of his way to like legally be like. No, no one can ever like say. I hate that. Oh, I hate that so much. Um, God damn, that pisses me off. Wow. So, but the next movie might be more up your alley if you, okay. especially since you're an it um, person. Yes, it's a movie called Mean Creek. Um, I think it's from like 2003 or so, and is just a super good like Stand by Me it. Um, I haven't seen Stranger Things, but I imagine like kind of Stranger Things feel of just like, you know, those eight goonies, like those 80s, like kids on a like kind of dark kind of thing going on. Um, you said some trigger words there, though. I think. Yeah. Uh <laughs> oh, yeah. You've upset me. I'm sorry. Is it because I've never seen Stranger Things? It's not like I didn't like it. I just haven't seen it. Austin Allen James, what the absolute <laughs> fuck? <laughs> I'm really bad with like long serialized anything. Like I've even told you, like I'm kind of spotty with like Marvel stuff because it's just like it's such a giant <laughs> like story. It really um, is. I will catch up. I will. I'll probably binge all of Stranger Things in like one sitting, like in a year or something. Like I, I get the whole Marvel thing. That is a lot to consume. But one cool thing about Stranger Things, it really does feel like one giant movie. You know, I mean, it's super fucking long, but each season really does feel like a movie. Yeah, my big investment the last few years has been like the whole the Breaking Bad universe, <laughs> and now I'm watching. Better Call Saul right now is the only show I can think of in years that I'm actually watching on TV because I'm so afraid of it getting like spoiled the second that like the that's episodes. still airing. Better Call Saul, it's like they're on their last two episodes. Oh my god, I thought that was over a long time ago. I did not yeah, realize so that. I've been, I'm like, I've been following Breaking Bad in some form since like. 2013 <laughs> nice. like, like two tv shows and a movie later <laughs> it's fantastic i'm i'm behind on better call saul but breaking bad is one of my favorite tv shows of all time and better call saul in my opinion as it was at least ramping up I, again i'm like probably like two and a half seasons behind i thought it was better than breaking bad i was blown away at how much i liked it yeah i'm also one of those annoying people that are like it's actually better than breaking bad and it pisses, <laughs> it off, it pisses off all my friends but i'm like <laughs> but it, it actually is though <laughs> yeah granted you know they had the five years of making breaking bad you know behind them so they yeah were, you know very much on their a game by the time it was time for Saul. absolutely so this might be the latest movie on this whole list, but it's called The Fits. I think it came out in like 2017 or so, and I know it won the Independent Spirit Award that movies get when they're made for such an insanely low amount of money, and then they give the directors $200,000 because... I don't know if it's like 20 grand or what the number is exactly, but it's like the best movie made for like absolutely no money, basically. <laughs> um, 
So The Fits is this really awesome movie about this cheerleading camp. And it all takes place in, like, the community center that the cheerleading thing takes place at. And each girl, kind of one at a time, starts going through this mysterious kind of disease where they're kind of, like, having seizures and stuff like that. And you're never really actually sure what these fits are, like, all about. But it's this really surreal movie that's, like... Again, kind of you're stuck in one location, but probably the biggest way it inspired my movie is I saw it in theaters with my friend Mark and it ended and we were both like, oh my God, I absolutely like you both loved it. And then we looked at our watches and like looked on the IMDb page and we were like, whoa, this movie was 72 minutes long, which is such a short runtime for a movie, obviously, but like. I didn't feel ripped off at all. Like, it felt like a 90... Like, I loved it. I was like, oh, I wouldn't have changed, like, anything about it. And it's just like, oh, but this is, like, the shortest movie I've ever seen in a movie (laughs) theater. So when I was cutting my own movie and, like, you know, the first cut of the movie was maybe, like, 98 minutes and then it became 90 minutes and then I was really fine-tuning and then it would hit, hit, like, the 80-minute mark... And then I'm like, oh, let me fine tune even more. Like, let me just lose this subplot. And like, now it's at like 75 minutes. And by the time I, I just, the only promise I made to myself is like, I have to be at least 72 minutes because that's like the shortest movie I've ever seen in a movie theater where I was like, that movie rocked. So so the entire time I was just like, it's just got to be over 72. It's just got to be over 72. So I I think my movie is like 72 minutes and like 30 seconds or something. (laughs) So so The Fits was a giant impact uh, for that reason alone. But on top of that, it's also just a really cool little mysterious movie i love that that's amazing (laughs) i cannot wait to watch all of these i know (laughs) yeah and i cannot wait for you to watch uh stranger stranger things Things. i won't (laughs) promise that you'll love them all but you'll they'll all be like well that was certainly unique (laughs) (laughs) i trust your your taste even though it doesn't align with my taste all the time i still trust your taste i think you have good taste Let's see what you think after watching them. <laughs> if not, I am I am coming to your house, man. <laughs> hey, everybody. Austin here. Just wanted to thank you for listening to Take 3, a film podcast. Uh, make sure to subscribe to these guys. Give them five stars. All that good stuff. If you'd like to catch my movie, it's available on YouTube for free. Just search who's with me with a question mark and it should pop up. Uh, there might be a link somewhere. And our Instagram page for the movie is WM underscore film. And I think any future projects will be posted about there first. So thanks, guys. Hope you enjoyed and thanks for listening. Bye.